0: Good day, everyone, and thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Today, my special guest is joining us from Costa Rica. Her name is Sandra Shaw Homer, and we will be talking about her new book, Velio's Garden, Memoir of a Naturalist. In the enchanting world of Costa Rican highlands, Sandra Shaw Homer begins a memoir tracing the seasons and closely observing the natural riches around her. But Avelio, who helped build their house, interrupts with an idea to plant an organic garden on their property. Over the course of a challenging year of unpredictable weather, wild animals, and toxic chemicals, their their friendship grows as Avelio teaches her about rural sustainability of Costa Rica in decades past. For more information, you can visit Sandra's website, which is writingfromtheheart.net. That's writingfromtheheart.net. And with that, I'd like to welcome Sandra to the show. Good day.
1: Good day, Robert. It's good to be with you. Thank you.
0: Well, I'm really... um, Happy to have you with me, and, um, and I have to tell you, you when, when I said in the introduction of the book is enchanting, it is. <laughs> you know, there's, there's, it is so descriptive. I mean, you're right there. You did a wonderful job of, of taking the reader to, to Costa Rica. So I'd, I'd like to start with what, what inspired you to write this book? I mean, it's a memoir, so how long has this memoir been in, in, uh, kind of in, the, in your mind to be, to be written?
1: Actually, it didn't start out as a memoir. Um, I had been so busy working with uh, several environmental groups, nonprofit groups here in Costa Rica. uh, And um, I've always been writing for other people. uh, And in this case, I was working with three different groups. And I was also the the head of um, the Environmental Commission for the county. And it was just uh, too much. So I quit. Mm -hmm everything. (laughs) And I said, I have to get back to writing for myself. So I thought, okay, how do you start? Well, you start by observing things. And of course, in in this magnificent biodiverse country, um, you can just start in your backyard, which is what I did. And um, uh, I I decided I wanted to try to observe and describe um, lyrically if possible, um, um what was around me i when i say lyrically if possible i i'm inspired by annie dillard's book pilgrim at tinker creek um where she um she's a biologist but she writes like poetry and i wanted to try to move in that direction but then evalio shows up and uh and i'm starting to realize that uh with his day-to-day craziness and it was crazy um, uh, that I needed to write more about myself in this book not just the the natural world and of course I had to tell Avelio's story too so it all kind of came together at the same moment Um, and of course it it, seems like it it morphed I think it does I've been told it does so I'm delighted yeah
0: if you wouldn't mind, I don't think all listeners would know what a naturalist is. So, can we talk about that and then we'll move into value?
1: Okay, yeah. A naturalist is somebody who, uh, I'm not a scientist, okay? Naturalists can be scientists who study the natural world. Um, in my case, I'm a backyard naturalist. I'm somebody who observes and describes, and I had to do a fair amount of research also um about some of the plants and animals here um so it, it, the, the focus is on um my connection with the natural world that's really the the theme of the book i, I think that, yeah. that that that's a correct statement would you agree
0: <laughs> yeah i agree yeah i agree and, and in addition to the natural world i mean the people people and the culture each area has its own Feel its own live life, I think life force so, um, so yeah. yeah, and
1: Costa Rica the the culture here is much more rural, and it's also a, a bit like moving back in time um, uh, when I first got here thirty years ago, it really did feel as if I was moving I had moved into a time warp um, because the the values were still were still here. Uh, the family values the value uh, for for nature uh yeah. the the courtesy uh, uh i i was shocked to realize after my first month here that i had not heard a single rude comment <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> um it's it's, a, it's it's a gentler culture uh, uh people are are help first and ask questions later um it's um it's a kinder it's it's um and that's why I've chosen to live here and become a citizen. It's just uh, so much nicer place than the United States at this time.
0: Yeah, It sounds like it. It sounds like it. I and, mean, boy, we could use so much uh, more of that in, in our day-to-day. Um, now, Avalio. So tell tell us uh, – I mean, he reads as quite a character.
1: <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> Uh, he was at the time of, uh, I was writing the book and he was planting his garden He was uh, in his early 50s I think And uh, uh, I suspect not, This is not fair of me to say but I suspected A little bit of attention deficit syndrome on his part um, But also a, a very Clear need for constant um, Reinforcement and uh, sharing of uh, his project, and uh, I mean, there was there wasn't a day that went by that he didn't come up to my office or or find me someplace and uh, and share his distress about the fact that the wind was burning his beans or uh, or asking permission to take the wheelbarrow across the road to get uh, um, you know, horse manure for his his worms. Uh, he was just constantly. Um, I I have to say on my back and he needed a lot of, uh, of pep talks um, because he, any little obstacle that came along, he was, he's ready to quit. And uh, I wanted to keep it going because I realized that this was a, this was quite a story. I wanted to be writing about it. So um, yeah, I had to kind of um, babysit him quite a bit. And it's funny. you know,
0: well, in a, in a way, it sounds like well. First of all, um, the the need for attention of that that and, you know when I read about that, but um, also in the book that you indi- you indicate that Puerto Ricans are happier working together than alone. So I mean that's also um, contrary to a, 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 you know here in the states you know what a, or even you know in many you know urban areas you know so that, I mean that's that's a different shift in in uh work behavior
1: it's not just work behavior it's the culture um relationships are more important here if a Costa Rican can relate to you uh in any kind of transaction um he's happier um, the you know relationships require uh time and, 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 and effort and courtesy and uh, all of those things wrap up together. Uh, uh, you can stop and act that we had a very funny situation years and years ago. Um, my, my ex-husband and I were driving to the beach and I had a letter to mail and um, we, we decided to stop in uh, the town of Atenas and, and mail it there. Well, we asked no fewer than five people where the post office was. Well, Costa Ricans don't generally use the post office and they don't usually mail things back and forth, at least certainly that was true 30 years ago. And so um, we got five different sets of directions of how to find it. And uh, we just finally gave up and went to the beach and and never, never mailed that letter until we got back. Um, But The whole point being, they just were delighted to stand by the side of the car and chat. Mm-hmm. And whether they wow. whether they knew what they were talking about didn't didn't matter at all. There was another apocryphal um, incident that took place when I was um, living alone. Uh, a friend visited me, uh, a guy that I had been giving uh, English lessons to, and we were sitting on the front porch. And um, another Costa Rican gentleman came up. I, I knew him vaguely, but I needed to introduce the two of them. And they immediately entered into a long chat about um, where are you from, you know, what's uh, your mother's last name, da-da-da-da-da. It turned out they were distant cousins. And it took <laughs> 10 minutes for them to establish this relationship, but they really worked wow. at it. And the most fascinating thing for me was that neither of them asked, what do you do? Huh. That bad. is the first question anybody asks in, in the United States. Oh, Hi, absolutely. how are you? What do you do?
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: exactly. there's a reason for that, oh. because that, that, that question establishes your income level. It establishes your educational level. Uh, it it provides all kinds of information. And uh, for Costa Ricans, that would be quite rude.
0: Oh, interesting. The idea of, you know, really kind of establishing that relationship link, you know, between them, I mean, it's Obviously, you know, um, you know that's where the priority is. And, but but that, isn't that too, in a way, identifying, given some identifiers, um, that like a job would. I mean, a job is I mean, in the in the sense of you know a status. But I mean, what it does is it invokes within the the person um, an image, and and you know, so with these gentlemen. The idea of that image being lineage connection. To, to me, right. that's just. Um, I mean, it, then for someone now, kind of keeping that in mind. What about the individual who doesn't like, for example, in the job example, someone who's unemployed, you <laughs> know, doesn't. Say, so, if if someone is not really kind of able to establish um, like a lineage connection, then does it go to the? Um, the next step is kind of basically establishing a relationship?
1: Uh, certainly not over the subject of what, what people do. It's always okay. family. It's always a, an attempt to establish some kind of other relationship. Um, and if they can't do it through family, they'll do it through uh, geography. Um,
0: okay.
1: Um, okay. Okay. You're from, you're from such and such a town. Um, do you know the, uh, the Murillos, you know, who live, uh, oh, who live okay. in that town? Um you know, I'm friends of so and so, uh, and do you know that person? Uh, so they'll work at establishing a connection that way.
0: Well, okay, well, that makes that makes sense. But again, it, it kind of really goes goes back to the, the relationship. I mean, relationships, mm-hmm. you know. And that's a that's a that's a wonderful, um, uh, I don't know, just a, a wonderful approach, you know, in introduction and and emphasis. And, and I think that that makes sense why people are more courteous and, and, and not rude, you know, is because it, it would affect the relationship.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. yeah. Now you, you mentioned, you know, um, about the and, you know, that need for attention and, and that kind of thing to me, it sounded a little bit like, um, he also kind of was like a garden, you know, <laughs> that needed tending, um, so did, throughout the course of, you know, that uh, the year, did you, you know, you know form, format the book in kind of a year format, um, did you notice the fruits of, of his labor in, or your, even your um, contributions in Avelio? I mean, over that year, did he grow like a garden would grow?
1: Uh, I think he did come to uh, some b- better self-understanding towards the end uh, of that year. Um, when he talks about, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a farmer, I'm a gardener. I'm not a, a merchandiser. I I, I can't sell things. Um, that was the real problem. I mean, he produced a lot of vegetables, but he couldn't sell them. And uh, he was looking to me to, to do that for him. And, uh, he said, okay, I could take on a partner, but then you know, the, it, wouldn't, uh, it wouldn't work, uh, the, the finances wouldn't work. Right. Um, yeah. So he, he said, I think I'm going to try to find a job where I can um, use my farming skills, but not have it be my own garden that I have to market. And he, he works very well in construction. But of course, at that time, this was 2009, <coughs> construction, pardon me, <coughs> was a real bust. You know, it was right during right. the World um, Wide Recession. And um, so that was kind of closed, a closed door to him. And he really needed okay. somebody to give him a boost somewhere. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. my husband, Roger, couldn't find any additional work for him, uh, you know, a, a chore here and there, but not. And, right. and of course, we were giving things to do in the house because the house wasn't finished. So uh, that kept him busy also but uh he just it was it's kind of unemployable to the degree that he is so insistent on on, on getting your attention and feedback yeah. and it's um he's yeah right now he's happy as a clam i'm just delighted he's uh there's a very wealthy individual uh in one of the local uh, towns that has got a valio building raised plots all over his lawn oh. in which he's planting organic vegetables. And um, this it, it's not up to Avelio to sell them. He just has to grow them. <laughs> and, and so he's happy. Yeah, right. he's very happy.
0: Well, that's good. And, and he's he getting paid to do it. Yeah, and it's, and it's wonderful that, you know, your experience was um, training ground for that, you know, it's kind of a stepping stone mm-hmm. for him to do that. So, right, so now,
1: it was definitely it,
0: now, in the book, you kind of you go through you break it down into months and, and that kind of thing. So, can you tell us a little bit about you know why you chose that format? I mean, because I understand that the weather there in Costa Rica can be quite, and then where you are, quite challenging.
1: Yeah, there was a lot more about the weather in that manuscript that I had to take out. It was just uh, the weather was kind of a character all by itself. Uh, yeah, we're living in the in the uh, north central highlands here, and the, where I'm living right now, it's 573 meters above sea level, and that's 15,000, 16,000 feet. So even though it's tropical, the weather can be quite cool, uh, especially during the, the northern winter months. Um, right now it's in the 60s, and we, it's quite windy, and we're getting drenching rains, it seems like, every five minutes. So yeah, the weather can be quite a challenge, and I, I I think I chose that month by month almost diary format journal format because uh, mm-hmm. uh, I, I was I was tracking Avelio's progress through uh, the weather <laughs> through the through the situations that we he had to deal with here, and it seemed that was the best the best way to do it. Um, and yeah. but you know, there were also other characters and other. Other things going on too at the same time. So I was uh, writing about the farm and writing about our other characters and the guy Cookie, who was um, who was our general factotum around the farm, uh, fixing fences and d- doing gardening work—not organic gardening work, but um, landscaping gardening work—and and, uh, and uh, he was a real pain in the neck. I'll
0: tell you. <laughs> <laughs> and and well, no, now,
1: he he, yeah. he go ahead.
0: No, I was was going to say that it it seems that you know maybe one of the biggest challenges of moving into that that new environment was were the the people. (laughs) I mean, but it's it's kind of like nice but challenging.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um, I had already lived here for twenty years when I, I started writing that book, and. You should, you'd think that in 20 years I would have adapted completely to the culture, but I, I had only been skimming the surface when I started dealing daily with Avelio and, and, uh, and Cookie and the others. Uh, I, I learned a lot more, a lot more. <laughs> also, at the same time, I was learning so much about the natural world because both of these guys, Avelio and Cookie, had grown up in what they call the montagna, the, the, the forest. And um, so they knew all the animals and the plants and taught me a tremendous amount uh, about where I was living. And I was connecting to nature in deeper and more profound ways almost every day because I knew more about it. And I yeah. could see the, the, the way things were connected and, and how, I mean, for example, fig trees. There is a, a whole bunch of different fig trees. And there is a, an individual wasp programmed for each individual fig tree, oh. each type oh, really? of fig tree. And this wasp uh, fertilizes the, the fig tree. I had I mean, no that's idea. How, that's, how, <laughs> sp- that's how specific, you know, in wow. a tropical environment, that's how specific um, uh, nature can be. And how risky it is when you think of climate change, with these little tiny ecosystems will be d- damaged to the extent yeah. that some of these creatures will go extinct. So right now there's we're still fine, but the weather's gotten worse.
0: Yeah. <laughs> all I can yeah say. It's it, it's crazy. And and you know, there are so many um things that are unknown about the natural world, like that particular one. I mean known to some, but in general knowledge it's not. So when we, you know, damage you know, really any, I mean, because it's all integrated, but so if you damage any part of that system, I mean, we really have no idea the ripple effect that it can have on other connecting, interconnected systems as well.
1: That's right. That's right. Yeah. Everything is interconnected wow. in, in a fascinating way. Yeah, yeah,
0: absolutely. Well, we're going to take a, a real quick break, Sandra, in just about 90 seconds. and And then when we come back, one of my favorite. Um, Stories that you recount recount in the book is um, about your excursion that you had with uh, Rosa Amelia, your your Mm -hmm. Spanish teacher. Um, And Mm -hmm. and if if you would, when we come back, if you wouldn't mind just recounting that because I think it would give the listeners just a really good idea of the book and and what's contained in the book.
1: Okay, that's fine.
0: Okay, great. Everyone stay tuned. We'll be right back after this brief break. Hello, this is Robert Sharp. Okay, everyone, thank you for staying with us. Again, today, my very special guest joining us from Costa Rica is Sandra Shaw Homer, and we're talking about her new book, Evelio's Garden Memoir of a Naturalist. And again, you can find out more by visiting her website, which is www.writingfromtheheart.net. Do I have you there, Sandra?
1: Yeah, I'm here.
0: Great. Before the break, I mentioned the, the story of uh, Rosa Emilia, your Spanish teacher. So would you mind, mm-hmm. sh- again, sharing that particular story? Because, again, like I said, I think it's a really good example of, uh, of um, not only Costa Rica, but also, you know, what readers can get by reading your book.
1: Okay. It was um, Rosa Amelia was a, a, a Spanish teacher at the high school, um, and, and she was the one who really taught me how to write in Spanish. And she was terrific. I would see her every Saturday morning. And um, the fa- I became friends with the family. Basically, I became kind of family, the kids and, and her husband. And her, her uncle It was her husband's uncle, actually, Francisco, whom I had been teaching English to. And it was Francisco's idea to take us all on this excursion. Uh, and so we invited uh, my husband and me, and we had no idea where we were going or what was going to happen. If Emilia knew anything, Rosa Amelia knew anything, she didn't tell me. And uh, so they just piled the, the kids and the coolers and, the, and the, the folding chairs, you know, in the back of the car, and their car. And we followed them up into an area north of uh, the town of Canas, which is about a half an hour away from here. And in these back roads, these dirt roads, way, 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 way up. I don't know how anybody could find this place. Um, but Francisco apparently had taught a school in this remote district years and years before. And so when we uh, arrived, uh, we're at this farmhouse, this wooden farmhouse with a giant guanacaste tree hanging over it. And there's no electricity. There's no telephone no modern amenities whatever the the water comes from a a spring and there are a couple of sons and then a a mother who is a very old-fashioned woman she her hair was wrapped around her head in this very elaborate old-fashioned way and they had no idea we were coming because there had been no way to let them know so uh, but that didn't matter at all they were delighted to see us And it's the tradition in Costa Rica to uh, uh, greet people with a a kiss on the cheek. So even though we didn't know these people, uh, we all got the traditional kiss on the cheek. And then it was arranged that uh, they would take us to show us uh, some petroglyphs on the farm. And so they saddled up a couple of horses. And uh, I was allowed to ride one of them. And then they put the kids on the other. And off we went. These, these uh, two sons were quite rangy and, and tall. Of course, nobody spoke any English, and ours, my Spanish wasn't as good then as it is now. But it was hot. This is the uh, Guanacaste. Is uh, this is the lowlands of Guanacaste? Uh, is a much different climate from the highlands where I live. Much hotter. And it's there was just this, this savanna that we crossed. And I'm thinking, oh, this is perfect rattlesnake country. (laughs) And I was very glad I was riding a horse. But it it took about a half an hour. They led us to this gorge, uh, and we had to kind of climb down into the gorge and cross a river. They, They used the horses to ferry everybody across through the river. And then on the other side of the river, about 10, 20 meters away, there was this incredible stone face, I would say, I'm guessing now 50 meters long. Um, Maybe I'm exaggerating now. I I wrote the number in the book, but I don't remember what it was. And it was covered with stone, with carvings that were done by the indigenous people. Uh, It's impossible now to to guess how long ago, but it seemed to me at the time that it was a very special place. Um, There were drawings of animals, snakes, and and human beings and, you know, sort of stick figure type human beings and the the sun, the moon, uh, just everything that would be of importance to uh, a tribe of of indigenous people uh, hundreds of years ago. This could have been pre-Columbian for all I know. It was just, for me, a, a kind of a spiritual moment in which I felt the souls of these people who had made these drawings on the rock I felt in, connected to them It was a, a very extraordinary experience But then we went back to the farmhouse And the senora had made a stew Of um, root vegetables and, and meat That had been dried in the sun There's no other way to preserve things She didn't have a refrigerator And um, <laughs> Francisco pulled out a, a very battered guitar out of tune And started to <laughs> sing a bunch of songs that uh, that the kids loved. He he had favorite children's songs that he sang, and and the kids adored him. And it was just, the whole thing was like stepping back a hundred years in time, uh, at least a hundred years in time, in terms of the farmhouse and and the whole ambience there. Uh, It was easy to tell that the the wood of of the farmhouse had been cut and planed on that very farm. The whole thing had just been totally sustainable all by itself. There was no need for any outside there was no outside help um you just did it yourself you gardened you produced your own food uh you had a, a cow you you uh, grew your own coffee you, everything was just uh, con- perfectly contained in this magnificent old farm and uh i felt a, a wonderful connection to it it was um a, a beautiful moment for me
0: yeah yeah you know in in the fact that they shared that that, I guess, a petroglyph kind of thing, shared that with you. You know, uh, the idea, I'm sure, that it's just not seen by <laughs> many people, you know, at all. It's just, a, to me, it would be a, an extraordinarily rare kind of sharing. Yeah, that kind of just touches you and, and, you know, really kind of deepens that connection. Make sure you ride the horse on over <laughs> to the uh, I to check If out I again. ever
1: went back, I'm sure. Sh- I'm sure they would recognize me and um yeah. it would uh, and they would treat me the same way even though it was so many years ago.
0: Yeah. Now uh, this is your memoir and whenever I speak with individuals who do memoirs you know a lot of times there's you know personal information that's shared and I find it uh, very courageous for people to share that. Now in, in your uh, memoir you have a um experience where it came to alcohol and and how, you know, it in in different environment it had different um impact in the different environments. So would you mind sharing first of all, you know, why you shared this particular experience and can you tell us about it and why you shared that experience?
1: I wanted to tell the story my story in Costa Rica. Now of course I go back even further in time at times, but But that was very much a part of my story of being in Costa Rica, um, because my ex-husband felt much diminished when he moved here, having lost the prestige that he had enjoyed in his career in Philadelphia. And uh, he wasn't getting the kind of feedback that he was used to getting. He loved gardening, and he did that. And he loved fishing, and he did that. But he just wasn't getting what he'd always enjoyed in his profession and and i started to realize that he was hiding bottles around the house he even had one under the seat in the back in the, the back seat in the car i i began to realize that early in the morning he would get up before me uh, i would uh, see him and and he'd he'd be drunk finally betty who was our our maid uh, told me that she had seen him pull a bottle out of the freezer it was uh, vodka was the drink uh, and and just drink right out of the bottle first thing in the morning. And, you know, you try, as a, as a spouse, you, you try to help somebody like that. You try to first talk to them about drinking and, and ask them to slow down. Finally, um, I got him to agree to go to a psychiatrist who was also uh, a recovering alcoholic.
0: Okay. He was a,
1: an American who had moved to Costa Rica during the Vietnam War. And he was extremely helpful to me in, in, during this process. But my husband actually convinced him that he was not an alcoholic. <laughs> he was that good wow. uh, at, at uh, his, his own public relations. But he did go. He did. He went for quite a while, and he did stop. But those things are always temporary. You know, he uh, he went back on the bottle not too long afterwards. I mean, there were a number of of attempted rescues during those first six years uh, that we were in Costa Rica and none of them worked and finally I just realized that I wasn't responsible for him and I I couldn't any longer feel responsible for him. Uh, Alcoholics sort of do that to you they make you feel it's your fault. He actually said to me at one point if you loved me more I wouldn't have to drink. Wow. (laughs) It's just just an outrageous (laughs) remark and it's yeah and you know and and pretty soon you stop loving somebody like that, you know, who's just so manipulative yeah, yeah. and um and jealous and so on, anyway, that was a very, very unpleasant episode, and I finally just a part of my life, I should say, and I finally just said, No I, this is not my life, this is not the life I want to lead and I was about to turn fifty, and uh, I thought, hey you know i want i I don't want to repeat this mistake i want to i want to find a life of my own and um and so I left him. And it got really ugly. It was two years of real ugly harassment and nastiness and talking around town, saying terrible things about me, and before we could finally get some kind of uh, agreement. Um, wow. It was just... Nasty, and nasty. In, in
0: such a small small town and, and where relationships are kind of like right in the forefront, that had to have been exceedingly um stressful. I mean the pressure just whereas, you know, if you happen to do that in Philadelphia or New York, you know, chances are, you know, mm-hmm. maybe your your circle might know about it, but that's about it, you know, versus a whole town.
1: Well, fortunately, I mean the, the, there are two communities here. There's a Gringo community and a Tico community. Ticos, Costa Ricans call themselves Ticos. And I was, my Spanish was good enough that I had friends and, and relationships in the Tico community. Mm. And my ex-husband didn't because his Spanish was not that good. Uh-huh. Um, so he, he relied on the gringo community. It was an interesting split. So it was the gringo community that was hearing all this nasty stuff about me. Uh, and it did it okay. didn't go over into the tico community it was fascinating that it just didn't huh. uh it, because none of the gringos spoke much spanish
0: so oh, okay okay
1: i was having i was having a normal life <laughs> with my oh. tico friends and uh, of course it wasn't a normal life in the sense that uh, all of the stressful right. stuff was going on on the on the other side right. but at least i had people who would help me uh, i needed right. to find work for example And um, so uh, a a local veterinarian who's the the head of animal health for uh, Guanacaste for the um, Ministry of Agriculture, uh, he got me a job. His uh, sister-in-law was uh, the head of a a language institute in San Jose, and they wanted to open up English teaching classes, um, teaching English classes in in my town, Tileron. And uh, so just based on my previous experience, they hired me and so I was giving night night classes for a year or so with them, and uh you know i was surviving um uh, yeah. and finally i got i managed to get some alimony out of uh out of my ex husband uh alimony actually just means um a, a food budget if you will we, we have the word alimentation uh in english uh, which means feeding so it's been, that's a latin based word i i love language so that's forgive me for that little <laughs> No oh, diatribe. Yeah, it was wonderful. But I like that. But anyway, yeah. Uh, so finally I got some, some alimony, which wasn't very much, and uh, but I still needed to work. So I was giving piano lessons, I was giving Spanish lessons, I was um doing anything I could. I, I was helping people manage their farms when and when they were not there. Um uh I was helping people with legal stuff. Uh, you know, if there was a, a property transfer, um some gringos buying something in the area, um uh, I would get called in to the lawyer's office to uh, interpret and to uh, oh, yeah. translate the uh, the sales agreement, you know, and um, so I was, I was getting making some money, not a lot, but I was making enough to survive. And it was a difficult but challenging, and but I was free, right. and that was the most right. important thing. I was free. Is. There's
0: no, there's no new life. Nothing like that. Yeah. Nothing like that, uh, that sense, you know, and, and if you can't have that sense of freedom in a, in a relationship, then it, it needs to be changed. Um, well, okay. so now what do you, what what is your hope that the readers are going to take away from reading Valdio's garden?
1: That's a good question. There's so much in it, uh, about the natural world and about the culture here and, um, the values here and my story my personal story mm-hmm. um i think probably most importantly it would be the connection to the natural world the um yeah. we are facing um as humanity is facing a terrible crisis now and it's i think so much more important for us to be aware of the natural world and and its riches if, if we're not aware, then we're not going to work to protect it. That's, just, I guess, what I wish people could take away.
0: Yeah, well, we know that uh, your description of, you know, your experience, you know, the, the the natural world there in Costa Rica, really comes through in the book. You know, I mean, it's it's one of the, I mean, you, people are transported. I felt transported to there you know it's oh, kind of making me want to go there um, now i i don't know about doing that track over to the petroglyph but uh you know maybe given a horse i might <laughs> i might choose that but um but it's it's one of those things where not only the, the the natural world but you you really convey the sense of the people there and and it's just so dramatically different from you know like our experience Um, here in the States or, again, even in any, I would think, any urban area, you know, it would be just a refreshing reminder that there are different ways of living and there are different values, there are different things that we can place, different places we can put our attention if we choose to.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think um, we have to try to um, open up to what I think is happening in in this incredibly – Partisan environment um, in the United States is that we're losing the sense of community,
0: mm-hmm.
1: the sense of working together, the sense of helping your neighbor, and I think it, it leads to uh, well, it's it's him or me, you know. So it's going to be me, right. and that's uh, yeah. a, a, not a very moral stance. And I, I've been yeah. very distressed at, at the news of of what's going on in the United States, and uh, and I'm so grateful I'm here. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Um, well, it is distressing to us here too. <laughs> too many of us here. I'm sure. On both, you know, both perspectives, but it has to be. But the, you know, the idea of um, working together, you know, living together, and having that common experience for for the betterment of the grander community is is really, yeah, you know, it's, it's what we're missing here, and it's you know, you know, conveyed in your book. And I really hope that we can, you know turn things around it's probably just a huge ship that's going to take a while to make that turn but um hopefully we can so well, well it I really wa- helps <laughs> well it does i think so i really want to thank you for your time today i have really enjoyed our chat and and it's a wonderful book
1: thank you so much i've enjoyed it talking to you too you've been very Great. helpful thank
0: you. thanks Great. you're welcome again everyone Day, my very special guest has been Sandra Shaw Homer joining us from Costa Rica talking about Davilio's Garden Memoir of a Naturalist and again you can find out more by visiting her website writingfromtheheart.net um, and do go and visit she has blog posts uh, that you'll really enjoy reading so everyone I want to thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show and until we meet again thank you for tuning in You've been listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Remember, our show is available as a free podcast from Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. To follow our show, visit our homepage at byteradio.me and select the platform you use most. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ByteRadioMe. Until we meet again, remember to be a bright light by bringing inspiration to your world
1: and to the lives of those you touch.